Hey, this is RJ from Osiris. I'd like to thank you for listening to season one of Festival Circuit. I want to recommend another podcast I think you might like. Check out Biscuits and Jam from the publishers of Southern Living Magazine. It's a podcast about home, family, tradition, and Southern culture as described by amazing artists like Willie Nelson, Scott Avid of the Avid Brothers, Gladys Knight, and John Hyatt. In fact, we're going to include the Willie Nelson episode here so you can check it out. You can listen to Biscuits and Jam on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Enjoy this conversation with the legendary Willie Nelson, and please check out Biscuits and Jam. Welcome to another episode of Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living Magazine. We've recorded these episodes as we've all sheltered at home, and between passionate conversations about Southern food, you'll also hear honest takes about how these musicians have been dealing with the pandemic. Today's guest is a legend, pure and simple. In fact, I think it's fair to say that he's the living embodiment of country music. His influence has spread over decades and generations to every corner of the globe and to his own children. Well, I've always, I've said this a bunch of times, there's nothing like having your kids on stage with you, especially when they're good. (laughs) Willie Nelson was raised by his grandparents in Abbott, Texas, and he became infatuated with music, both on the radio and at church at an early age. After moving to Nashville in 1960, he was soon writing songs that became massive hits for Patsy Cline, Roy Orbison, and Ray Price, among others. The 70s and 80s saw Willie cementing his place as one of the world's most beloved performers. Since then, songs like On the Road Again have become synonymous with country music, so much so that it's hard to imagine a world without it. And even at the age of 87, no one is more ready to get back on the road again than Willie Nelson. On the road again Places that I've never been, seeing things that I may never see again. I can't wait to get on the road again. On top of 10 Grammy wins over 52 career nominations, Willie is on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest singers of all time and has been honored by the Library of Congress for his contributions to popular music. His new record, First Rose of Spring came out last week and marks his 70th album release. During today's conversation, you'll hear Willie describe how his earliest connection with music came through the church. The first music I learned to play was gospel music and Amazing Grace. You know, it was one of the first songs I learned to sing. I got preached to by every religion <laughs> that there is just by sitting at my window listening every Sunday. Plus, his message for healthcare workers dealing with COVID-19 on a daily basis. These folks are heroes. These are the ones that right now, uh, they are on the front line battling one of the biggest wars, I guess, that this country has ever had to face because there's no visible enemy. All that and more coming up on Episode 6 of Biscuits and Jam with Willie Nelson. So tell me, where where are you sitting right now? I'm sitting in my pickup truck on my uh, uh, ranch here in Luck, Texas. 
and it's about 100 degrees out there, and I've been out looking at the horses who are, uh, you know, looking for a shade tree. So <laughs> it's all good, though. Well, that sounds like a great place uh, to do an interview. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so Willie, tell me what was your favorite thing about growing up in Abbott, Texas? Well, it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. Uh, we had, uh, I think, we had the Church of Christ, still do Catholic. Uh, we have the Methodists and the Baptists. That's four on each corner there. And then we have the African-American church on the edge of town. So we're covered with uh, religion down there. <laughs> That's a lot of churches in a small town. <laughs> it is. I tried to go to all of them. And uh, matter of fact, I have been to all of them, and even the SPJS T Hall down there in West. Uh, that's between Abbott and Waco. It's uh, uh, a little place where the Catholics uh, got together there and had their dominoes and whatever they, you know, and a little dance and polkas and waltzes. And that's that's where I learned a lot about music. Was really down there in uh, in West Texas. So you were mostly raised by your grandparents. Can you describe for me the house that you grew up in? Uh, well, let's see. There, there, was, there was one old house down on the very edge of town there where I first grew up. And uh, me and my sister lived there. And uh, my grandmother was there. And uh, we had an old well in the back where we got our drinking water. And, uh, you know, I picked cotton, baled hay, did all those things to make a living down there in the summertime. And it wasn't a bad place at all. I really loved it. And was your grandmother a good cook? Yes, she was a great cook. And uh, she did all the, you know, the old-fashioned stuff like biscuits and gravy and ham and eggs and all that good stuff. And she was great. Biscuits and gravy was my favorite. <laughs> well, you can't go wrong with that. No. <laughs> and so was it your grandparents who introduced you to music? Uh, more or less. All my life, I heard my dad play music and my mom was a singer. But they divorced and moved out pretty early. So I was there with my grandparents. And uh, my grandmother taught Sister Bobby how to play the piano. And uh, I would sit on the piano stool when I was four or five years old. She was six or seven, playing the piano. And I learned a lot about music just by sitting there listening to her play and learning along with her. She could read music, and I couldn't, you know, barely read. But I was sitting there listening and learning a lot about music just by being on the piano stool with Sister Bobby. And did y'all listen to the radio a lot when you were a kid? Yeah, that's uh, we'd sit around and look at the radio. <laughs> everybody in the house, and it's you know, it's like it's WSM time for the Grand Ole Opry. So everybody will run around in, in the house, and we'll have five or six people in the house sitting there looking at the radio with a little light in there. It was quite, it was quite entertaining. <laughs> so, what did the Nelson family do for the holidays back then? Did y'all have a lot of big gatherings? 
well, the town itself, Abbott had a summer camps and all that, and with the, the, the religious. I live right next to the tabernacle there. Uh, after I left the little place on the south edge of town, I moved up about a couple of hundred yards, really, not that much further, into uh, the, uh, a house that sat right next to the tabernacle, where all the churches in town came together and uh, would do their services there. So uh, I got preached to by every religion that, <laughs> that there is just by sitting at my window listening every Sunday. <laughs> With all the churches and all that church music and the gospel, I'm wondering, did that have a big impact on you as a as a musician? Sure. Yeah, it did. Uh the first music I learned to play was gospel music, Amazing Grace. You know, it was one of the first songs I learned to sing. And well, this kind of music has kind of carried me through the years. And I've recorded a lot of it, written a lot of gospel songs. The Family Bible was one of mine that I wrote in God's eyes. In fact, we were planning on coming out with a gospel album and uh, all this pandemic come along, I like to call it. And uh, it's screwed things up so our releases are slowed down. But we do have a gospel album ready to go whenever, you know, it's time. Well, I think we all need a gospel album right now. So if y'all can move that along, that would be great. Thank you. I think you're absolutely right. We're going through some strange times here where help is needed. So I'm wondering, before you got into music as a career, it sounds like you had a lot of different jobs. Well, earlier, you know, I worked in the fields and uh, baled hay, pulled corn and all that good stuff. And, uh, then I uh, got into uh, radio. I would I did some uh, disc jockey work there. I enjoyed that. And I was same time I was playing music. I was playing in the clubs there in West and Waco and around. And uh, that's really where I kind of got my start in music was right there in Abbott and West, Waco, that area. And, and you did a brief stint in the Air Force. I, I'm wondering if that had a big influence on you later in life. Well, it did because, I, you know, I really didn't have no bad time in there. I was at Keesler Air Force Base there for a while in Biloxi and then uh, San Antonio and I wasn't in there that long, but I was in there long enough to really, uh, I got to play music while I was in there. So, you know. Did you really? Yeah. The, uh, the old top sergeant in there was, uh, uh, he liked music. So uh, we would play little concerts for him and he loved it. <laughs> he was the luckiest sergeant around. <laughs> well, I was kind of lucky to have him when it, because he liked music <laughs> and uh, we could get along. <laughs> so. So, Willie, I'm wondering if you remember making that first trip to Nashville and what that was like. Yeah, I do. Uh, I drove an old 51 Buick, and on the way up, picked up a hitchhiker. And uh, Anyway, I moved, went right into Nashville, and uh, I had some songs that I had written. I had Family Bible had been number one, so I was kind of going in on that. 
And I was kind of had some uh, strings out for people to record my song. Billy Walker did Funny How Time Slips Away. And Hello Walls with Perrin Young did that. Patsy Klein did Crazy. So when I first hit Nashville, I, I got lucky and uh, I, I knew it, you know. Well, I wanted to ask, you played a lot at Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, which is uh, yeah. a favorite of mine even now. All right. Um, <laughs> what was that like back in the early days? It was incredible. Tootsie was a great friend of mine, and, uh, you know, she had a hat pin, and if you give her any trouble, she'd run you out of there with that hat pin. So, <laughs> so you had to <laughs> stay halfway straight. She didn't mind if you get drunk, you just stay out of the way, you know, because Tootsie was tough. What so what was she like as a person? Was she a lot of fun? Oh, she was a lot of fun. Liked to laugh and uh, tell jokes and music. And uh, her son was a drummer. We played drums together for a long time. I think her husband was a guard out at the prison there. So you know she had, had some stories to tell, and we had a lot of fun. Tootsies are right behind the Grand Ole Opry, so. Well, that's where we'd go every night, and then uh, we'd go over there and drink a couple of beers and go play the opera and then come back and drink a couple more. <laughs> so you wrote, you mentioned uh, Crazy, uh, which is one of the biggest country hits of all time. I'm wondering if you remember when that song came to you. Well... We'd have to look back and see what year Floyd Tillman did a song called I Gotta Have My Baby Back. The first two notes on that song was baby, baby, I gotta have my baby back. And so those two notes stuck with me. And then one day I said, crazy. So I ripped off (laughs) an old buddy of mine for a couple of notes there and uh, to do that song. But. I thank him for it. <laughs> did you get to spend much time with Patsy Klein? We did a few shows together, and uh, I remember when I first met her, I was uh, in Tootsies, and I had just come from Boston, and I had some songs, and I Tootsie put them on the Jude box, and uh, I think Crazy was one of them. And Patsy's husband, uh, a guy named Charlie Dick, was there, and he heard that, and he said, I want you to play that for Patsy. And I said, uh, okay, I will one of these days. He said, no, right now, let's go to the house. And it was almost midnight. I said, I'm not going over there this late. He said, come on, it'll be all right. So we went over to Patsy's house. She come out. I wouldn't get out. So, But she come out and made me get out and come in. Uh, did the song. She loved it and recorded it the next week. Her record of Crazy was the uh, most played jukebox song of all times. It still is. <laughs> and do you remember the first time you heard it? It must have made an impression. Oh, it was, yeah. I was uh, there at the session, you know, so, uh, yeah, it made a great impression. She, yes, and I have a couple of gospel songs that we did together that uh, haven't come out yet, but I'm figuring out a way to get them out there. There's lots more with Willie Nelson after the break. Welcome back to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, 
and we're talking with the red-headed stranger himself, Willie Nelson. Willie, I want to ask you about your new album. It's called The First Rose of Spring. And, and I wanted to ask about the title track. It is so beautiful. Thank you. It's also kind of sad. Oh, God, is it ever, yeah. What drew you to that song? It was just a great story. It was like you say, it was so sad, but it had a whole story in there about how they met, and and it's a true story because uh, I met the writer, and uh, he told me that his grandparents that was their story, and uh, every year he would bring her uh, the first rose of spring. So it was so incredibly moving that you know I'd be a dummy enough to say, well, let me have that song, you know. <laughs> Would it be too much to ask you to just sing a little bit? Oh, let me see if I can remember. The first time you saw her, he knew everything had changed. Butterflies danced around on her like the first rose was spring. Summertime would have never started. Winter time would never end. She colored his life, opened his eyes to things he never dreamed. Without the first rose of spring. And then the last verse is incredible. The last time I saw her, I knew everything had changed. We said goodbye and let the tears fall like rain on the first rose of spring. Mm. That last verse is just devastating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to ask you about your kids. You've been performing a lot with your kids over the last few years. W what does that mean to you? Well, I've always, I've said this a bunch of times, there's nothing like having your kids on stage with you, especially when they're good. <laughs> and I've been lucky enough to have some really talented kids, and uh, Lucas and Micah and Amy and uh, Paula, and, you know, they're just good singers, and uh, they're nice to have with you on the stage. Do y'all have a favorite song that you like to play together? Oh, I think, you know, one of the, we all will get together in the end for the gospel set that I always end our show with a gospel set. And we'll, you know, we'll do The Circle Be Unbroken and I Saw the Light, as, uh, those couple of songs. And uh, we all sing together and it's a lot of fun. And did they just pick up instruments naturally or was that something that you really encouraged in them? No. Uh, if you see our living room here, it's, uh, you look around, you see a piano over there, a guitars, you know, four or five guitars, and uh, a drum set. And I just let them lay there over the years, and uh, eventually I saw uh, Micah go over, you know, before I started hitting the drums, and Lucas was playing the guitar. Next thing you know, they, they were playing everything. Micah was a good piano player, so was Lucas, so they were playing all the instruments that were there. And then it was just natural when they came out on the road with me that they just sit right in and uh, knew what to do. 
<laughs> well, they sure do. <laughs> they are really talented. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Willie, I want to ask you just about the last couple of months. Um, this is probably the longest stretch that you have been home in a while. H- how have you enjoyed the break? I have not enjoyed it at all. <laughs> <laughs> not a minute of it. I should be happy, you know, here we are. We're safe and we're healthy and, you know, all that I'm appreciative and thankful for that. But, good Lord, we were on a roll there. We, the last show we played was in Houston. and We had 80,000 people. And uh, we had a great tour up until then. And, and Sister Bobby had been feeling a little bad. And she came back for the Houston show and sat in and played great. And uh, everybody was so happy we're back and we're moving again. And then the next day, they said, it's all over, you know, go home. And that was tough. And you've got a big work family that you travel with, right? Yeah, there's a lot of us that uh, not only... Uh, those guys depend on the road to make a living, and uh, fortunately, I've got you know a couple of hundred bucks and, and uh, set aside so I can go a little longer than they can. But I I can't go much longer, you know, because I've got all my bills and things too. So I'm ready to play, and uh, they are too. So I, I don't know when we'll be able to play. I haven't heard any predictions. Uh, a lot of people are saying the Fourth of July. I'm thinking that may be too early. Uh, I'm more inclined to believe September, but if they say it's all coming back again in the winter, what the hell good is all that, you know? So it's just one of those, let's wait and see, you know, and be thankful that we're healthy. Yeah, that's right. That is right. What does a typical day on the ranch look like for you now? Well, I, you know, I get up in the morning and uh, have a little breakfast and Come out and drive around and look at the po- uh, the horses. I've got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, horses that I uh, rescued from being slaughtered. Uh, so I've got about seventy five horses, and they're just incredibly beautiful. Uh, to me, that's uh, nothing prettier than watching horses because uh, when they say horse sense, they're not kidding. The horses are a little smarter than we are. <laughs> Do you still uh, like to ride? I love to ride, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I've outlived all my best ponies. So now, I, uh, <laughs> now I'm going to train another pony so I can ride. And you know, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be on a ride, but uh, I ain't no big hurry. Usually, I'd have to do a movie or a, a video to ride horses anyway. But they kept me on the road all the time. And uh, so now that I'm here and I got all the horses, I could ride every day if I wanted to, but it's 100 degrees out there and they don't look like they want to be ridden. So (laughs) I let them rest today. Willie, are you a barbecue fan? Yeah, I like barbecue. In the last few years, I haven't uh, eaten a lot of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of chicken fried steaks and all that good stuff, enchiladas and uh, all that good Mexican food. But I've stayed away from it for a while because, you know, I got up to 180 pounds, so I had to be careful. <laughs> 
Well, you need to need to take care of yourself, but whatever you're doing yeah. seems to be working. It's working good. I'm, you know, got myself a pretty good little diet and uh, have a nice garden down here where we grow our own vegetables and fruit. And, uh, you know, that's good to have. I wanted to ask you, a lot of farmers are really struggling right now with uh, all this food and the animals that they can't sell. And as one of the founders of Farm Aid, do you think that there's anything that we can do to support them? Well, yeah, there's a lot of things we can do, and Farm Aid is uh, is doing some of it. You know, we support over a hundred organizations out there around the country who are, were set up in the beginning to help farmers when the first big crisis came along a few years ago, and when we started Farm Aid. So every year, uh, we've been getting uh, money from the, the people who give it to Farm Aid, and we uh, spread it out to the farmers out there and the organizations who really need it and know where to go. There's a difference between our small family farmers and the big corporate farmers. We farm all together differently than they do. Uh, we like to still uh, do organic farming, and uh, one of their big things is to put all the chemicals you can on every acre so it will yield everything it can. And that's not what we're into. And right now the farmers need some help. You can give a little bit, give it to Farm Aid because I know it's going to the right place. I sign every check that goes out. Well, that's it's a great cause. And I know that there are a lot, especially the small farms are really struggling right now with all the restaurants that are out of business. Absolutely. So, Willie, you've been through some tough times in your life. What do you do to get through difficult times? Well, it's a mental battle, you know. I wrote a song called One Day at a Time. Do you ever hear that song? I have, yes. <laughs> I live one day at a time. I dream one dream at a time. Yesterday's dead and tomorrow is blind, and I live one day at a time. And I still believe that's the way to live. I nothing I can do about yesterday. There ain't nothing I can do about tomorrow. But right now, I'm pretty much in control. So uh, this is the day that I'm living. And uh, it's, it's the only one that really matters right now. I'm wondering if you have any hopes for this country after all that we've been through. Absolutely. This is, uh, there's a lot of great, strong, smart uh people in this country, then we know how to fix it. So, yeah, I have a, a great deal of confidence. This uh, virus will go away. And when it does, we'll be right back in the middle of where we were, fighting the same battle that we fought before it hit. So we have to have people who know how to protect us and how to uh, take care of not only us, but the farmers and everybody else in the land. <laughs> I hear a, I hear a dog barking back there. Is that uh, is that a favorite of yours? I think it was in a truck that just drove by. I, I saw a guy drive by in a truck, and he had a dog. I guess the dog didn't like me or something. <laughs> Willie, do you have a message for all the healthcare workers that are out there? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, they are the heroes. They're the ones on the front battle lines out there and given taking a chance on losing their lives and the lives of their loved ones every day 
these folks are heroes. These are the ones that right now, uh, they are on the front line battling one of the biggest wars, I guess, that this country has ever had to face because there's no visible enemy. And uh, I know we're reopening around the country, and uh, I guess that's okay uh, as long as we stay distance away from each other and follow all the rules. But uh, it's still concerning because who knows what's going to happen next year. That is the truth. Do you miss being on your bus? <laughs> well, I miss it a lot. It's parked right down at the bottom of the hill, and I go down there and sit on it a while and uh, uh, pretend I'm going somewhere. So, yeah, I miss it. <laughs> Willie, what are you most looking forward to when we get on the other side of this? Going back to work and playing for an audience, you know, that I don't have to worry about either of us getting sick, you know. Uh, uh, it's one thing to go back and play to an audience, but first of all, you don't want them coming there getting sick by the people next door applauding and whatever, and it's just too close right now. But one of these days, uh, it will open up again, and we can have another Fourth of July picnic, and we can have another outdoor farm aid, or uh, we can do all these things. But it, it's going to take a while, and we'll wait. We will wait, but I think a better day will come. Well, Willie Nelson, thank you for being on Biscuits and Jam. I'm glad to talk to you and uh, be good to yourself and let's talk again somewhere down the road. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Willie Nelson. His new album, First Rose of Spring, is available wherever you get music and from willienelson.com. Southern Living is based in Birmingham, Alabama. And this podcast was produced and edited in Nashville, Tennessee. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or telling your friends about the program. You can find us online at southernliving.com and subscribe to our print publication by searching for Southern Living at www.magazine.store. Biscuits and Jam is produced by Heather Morgan Schott, Chrissy Tiglius, and me, Sid Evans, for Southern Living. Thanks also to Ann Kane, Jim Hankey, Eliza Lambert, and Rachel King at Pod People. Join me next week for my discussion with Brett Eldridge. We'll see you then.